You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Genesis 41 is where we're going to be, and um, you can go ahead and turn there. And we'll stand in just a moment. But we're back in Genesis 41. We were in this chapter last week. And, and for mercy's sake, I decided to split it in half and preach part of it last week, part of it this week. And, you know, part of it, when you do that, it adds a little complication because in some ways you're splitting the main idea of the text into two and trying to make both work. Um, and, and yet I'm thankful for the truth today. I hope it will be a help to us. Last week we saw how Joseph... Uh, has been brought out of the prison because Pharaoh has had a dream. And this, this young man, Joseph, he's now almost 30 years old. He has spent 13 years of his life as a slave and prisoner. And now, though, because he had interpreted the dream for the butler two years before this account, um, then, then he is now has the opportunity to stand before Pharaoh because it, word gets out that he can interpret dreams. Pharaoh has these two dreams that really bother him, and, and these dreams are about cows and corn, and we'll talk about it a little bit, but it really bothers him, and he's looking for an answer, and he can't find one among his magicians, he can't find one among his wise men, and thankfully, though, God has the right man in the right place at the right time, ready to interpret this dream for Pharaoh, and now Joseph, who has spent th- almost half of his adult life, half of his life, 13 out of 30 years, He is spent as a slave and a prisoner. And now he stands before Pharaoh, ready to interpret a dream that came directly from God. So so he interprets the dream and and he says the seven well-fed cows are seven years of abundance. The seven skinny cows are seven years of famine. And the fact that the seven skinny cows eat the seven well-fed cows means that there's going to be a famine uh, to follow the abundance. So you better get ready is what he says. There's, there's a recession coming. And, I, and it's happening right here too in the Bible. So there's a recession coming. Economy's not good. And, and if you wait until the economy's bad to start saving up, you're going to find yourself in trouble. And that's what he says. He says, you better start saving now. He comes up with a plan. He says, let's store one-fifth of all the grain that comes in. We'll store it for the next seven years. And that way, when when, uh, the famine comes, we'll have plenty, not only for Egypt, but for all the nations of the world. And Pharaoh likes the idea. So we're going to begin reading in verse 37. So let's stand. Genesis 41, verse 37. This is after Joseph has told the, the interpretation. And Pharaoh likes what he says. He likes the plan. And so verse 37 is where we begin. It says, And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this is? A man in whom the Spirit of God is? You know, there's another point. There's so many points to be made. But for Joseph, it was about the the message, not the messenger. In that they didn't come away thinking, well, Joseph is a wise man. No, he said, can we find anybody else that has the spirit of God like this guy? So in in interpreting the dream, they didn't see Joseph. They saw the spirit of the Lord. And and God help us to be that kind of messenger to this world. 
That they don't hear us, they hear the message and they see the spirit of God. Verse 39, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, for as much as God hath showed thee all this, there is none so discreet as, and wise as thou art. And so in some ways, it, I don't know if Joseph was expecting to be offered the job, but he gets offered the job. I guarantee he wasn't expecting it. Verse 40, thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. Wow. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, see, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. Wow. And Pharaoh said, uh, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, no, Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand. And arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they, they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. This guy was just in prison the day before. And look what God is doing for him. Verse 44, and Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh... And without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name zaphnath paneah And he gave him, I, I practice that by the way. And he gave him to wife Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. So he starts doing his job and Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh king of Egypt and Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt and in the seven plenteous years the earth brought forth by handfuls and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities the food of the field which was round about every city laid he up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn as the sand of the sea, very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. That's an amazing bumper crop. And unto Joseph were born two, two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, a priest of On, bare unto him. And Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh, for God, said he, hath made me forget all my toil in all my father's house. And the name of the second called he Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And the seven years of plenteousness that was in the land of Egypt were ended. And the seven years of dearth began to come, according as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all, the la all lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. And when all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. And Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, Go unto Joseph, what he saith to you, do. Wow. And the famine, famine was all over all the face of the earth. And Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold unto the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries, all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn. Because that the famine was so sore in all lands. What a story. You know, and I, I mean, there's so many directions we could take. But this morning, I want to take it from this angle just to see the culmination of a young man's life who always puts God first. Because Joseph did. 
He always put God first. He was always honoring God. And we see the culmination of a life of decisions to put God first. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. It is first, God first for me. It should be God first for you. No matter your situation, no matter your, your, your circumstance, no matter the difficulty, God first for me. Joseph was a God first kind of guy, always. When it was hard, God first. When it was easy, it wasn't. But when it was easy, God first. When it was big, God first. When it was small, God first. And you know what happens when you put God first? You get God's blessings. Listen, this is not health and wealth. It's not what I'm preaching today. Because most of Joseph's story to this point is not health or wealth. See, there will be times when you put God first and you don't see the blessing right away. But God is sure to his word that if you put him first, eventually, someday, you will see the reward. And listen, it may not be till you get to heaven. But I can tell you, if you put God first in your life down here, when you get to heaven, it'll be really good for you. So today, I just want to encourage you with this thought. It is this, the more honor the more blessing. And notice the order. Notice, the, notice my hand motions, okay? I'm not going to make you do them, okay? The more honor, the more blessing. The more we honor God, the more he blesses us. And if we could capture this thought today, it might change the way we live our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the truth, and I pray that you'd help me to convey it. You know my limitations. And you know where I fall short. You know where I don't excel. You know where I fail. You know all of those things. And yet we're opening your word. And it's your word that has the power. It's not the messenger. God, I find such hope and, 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 and fulfillment and peace and rest in that truth today that it's not about the messenger, it's about the message. And today, would you help us then to see truth from Joseph's life that we could learn from this young man who always puts God first. God, I want to be a man who people say that about me. I want to be a man who says, who people say, God, that guy puts God first. And it's not because I just want all the rewards and I, I want you to shower me with more than everybody else, God, I want you to be pleased with me. And I beg you today that you'd help each of us to come to terms with the areas of our life in which you're not first. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless the reading of your word. You may be seated. You know, there are certain seasons of life that you wish you could forget, aren't there? I mean, look back in, in, the, in the, the roller coaster of life and, and you're thinking about the times in your life, you know, the low points that you wish you could forget this week. And, you know, who knows how many times this is going to come up for me. But for our family, it's a big deal. We, 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 we dropped two girls off at college in Oklahoma. 
And I know many of you have done that, so you know what it feels like and you know how difficult it can be and it's hard to leave them behind. I, as we pulled out, I looked at my rearview mirror and, and Audrey with her broken foot was you know, doing one of these and she was you know, kind of riding away from us. You know, and, and it was hard. But I will say this, I'm glad it wasn't me being left at college. I remember my college days, and maybe if you went to college, maybe you do too, that I would literally sit around and daydream, not about the pretty girl next to me, and not about getting my homework done, and not about what I was going to do that night or that weekend. I would literally sit around and daydream about when I could take the next nap. <laughs> Have you been to college? You know. You know, 15 minutes it was like eight hours. You know, if I could just get one, a nap in between these classes... You know, I, I remember that stage, and I'm thankful I'm past that stage. And, and I remember stages like the baby stage in our house. And, and we were in the baby stage for a long time, and some of you have been in the baby stage for a long time. I love babies, and I love families having babies, and, and I love the phases, but I don't miss the diapers. And for those of you that haven't had children yet, don't let this dissuade you. And I, I, I don't miss those things. There's some things I don't miss. I, I mean, I miss the baby, but I don't miss trading off in the middle of the night to go check on the baby. My wife would say, trading off? We never had a rotation. <laughs> so to that, I would say, not to dispute that, but to that, I would say, if we did have a rotation, I wouldn't want to go back to those days. <laughs> Just to clarify, so... You know, you look back on a tough season of your life, and, and if you're past it, aren't you glad you're past it? And some of you, you may be in the dip right now. And I don't, I don't, I, I'm not talking down to you, and I'm not trying to rub this in your face. There are some going through the dip. I get that. But some who have been through the dip, you look back and you say, I'm really glad I'm not dealing with that health trial right now, because that was hard. I'm really glad that I'm not dealing with that relationship issue because that was difficult. I'm glad I'm not working at that toxic job anymore. I'm glad we're not going through that financial crisis. Aren't there seasons of your life that you're thankful that you've, you, you want to look back on and just forget about them? Well, don't you think that Joseph could kind of summarize his whole life as a season he wants to forget? I mean, think about all that he went through and, and, and think about the family betrayal. I mean, his own brothers hated him and they hated him so much they sold him as a slave. And then when he got sold into Potiphar's house, uh, he was lied about, falsely accused and thrown into prison. Even in the prison, who knows how long he was there, that 13 year span, I, we're not sure how long he was in, in Potiphar's house and how long he was in prison. But at least two of those years he spent in prison because somebody he helped forgot all about him. The butler was supposed to, to remember him when he got out and he didn't. And, and, but notice though, when, as we've gone through Joseph's life, notice there's one thing that Joseph did through all of it. Joseph always honored God. He always put God first, no matter the circumstance and no matter who hurt him. He was betrayed by his brothers, but he never let go of God's promises. He honored God. He was sold as a slave, and, by his and, and he ended up in Potiphar's house where he was lied about. And, I mean, and he's in this situation where, uh, where Potiphar's wife comes after him. And, and, and he, but we see that even in that situation, he did right no matter the circumstance. He did right no matter who was watching. 
Potiphar's wife comes to him and, and tries to seduce him and remembers that God is present with me. Therefore, I'm going to say no. And God has provided all I need, so I'm going to say no. And God has a purpose for me, so I say no. And that allowed him to refuse and run away. Even in a situation in which he may have been able to get away with it and nobody would have known except him and Potiphar's wife, he still put God first. God first for him. God first for Joseph. God is number one. God's my primary consideration. In every situation, I will honor God. I will make much of God. I will honor God no matter what. I will put God first no matter what. And in every situation he was in, he kept honoring God, even in prison. How do we know? Well, even in prison, he was lifted up to oversee the prison because of the kind of person that he was. He didn't get into prison and, and, and start singing, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. He could have. I would have. But no, he's diligently working. And, and so much so that the warden says, there's something different about this guy. I believe it was the spirit of God. There's something different about this guy. I'm going to let you oversee the prison. He's a prisoner overseeing the prison. And not only that, we know that he, he operated by God's principles even in prison because one day two guys came in, the chief butler and the chief baker, and they have a dream at the same, the same night, and their dreams are kind of similar. And so they, Joseph goes in the next morning. He's charged with overseeing them, and they both look sad. I mean, sadder than prisoners normally look. And he says, what's going on with you guys? And they said, well, we both had a dream. And, and my dream was this. And his dream was this. And Joseph said, well, I think I might be able to help you with that. So the butler tells his dream. And in his dream, he's, he, he's got a vine with grapes. And he's pouring drinks just like he used to for Pharaoh. And, and, and Joseph says, well, in three days, uh, you're, you're, you're going to be lifted up out of prison. And you'll be restored to your job. And the baker, he says, oh, that sounds really good. Here's mine. I have a basket on my head. Birds are eating all of the baked goods out of my basket. And he says, what's my interpretation? He says, in three days you're dead. So the butler and the baker had dreams and Joseph interpreted them. And all he said to the butler was this. When you get restored, remember me. That's all I ask. I'm not here for a good reason. I've been falsely accused. I've been lied about. So just remember me. Easy enough. Except the butler forgot. For, three, for two more years, Joseph sat in the prison. And, he, and for most of his life, then he's been a slave or a prisoner. Or almost half his life, I should say. And he could have packed it in. And he could have said, forget this, I've, done, I've tried to do right, I'm in here for no good reason, and now I've been forgotten. I mean, I've kept honoring God, I put God first, and now look at this. Except Joseph didn't pack it in. And we know that because when Pharaoh had a dream, Joseph was ready. Meaning he had been continued to prepare himself for whatever opportunity was going to come his way. So Pharaoh has a dream and, and actually had two dreams. And the first one is about the seven well-fed cows and they come out of the Nile River and things are looking good. Until seven skinny cows follow them out of the river and they eat the seven well-fed cows. And after they're done eating you can't even tell that they, that they ate. Well no wonder he, he, he's troubled. Uh, he's having dreams about cannibalistic cows. With high metabolisms. 
I got a laugh out of it last week. I'll use it again this week. So. And as if that wasn't bad enough, he wakes up, goes back to sleep, and then he dreams about cannibalistic corn. So the healthy corn, seven ears, get eaten by the little baby corn that you put on your salad at the buffet. The little skinny corn that doesn't look good, they come out, they eat the healthy corn, and the Pharaoh wakes up, and you know, I would have chalked this up to something I ate before bed. But he knows there's something different about these dreams. He knows, and I'm thankful for his insight, Pharaoh knows these dreams were from God. They were from an outside source. He's trying to figure out what they mean. He knows there's something significant about it. So he calls his wise men. And he says, here's my dream. And they say, uh, we have no idea. Now he's distraught and he's trying to figure out what's going on and, and who can tell him about his dreams. And, and this whole time, this whole thing is going on. I'm thinking about the butler. I mean, the butler is just walking around. He hears all the hubbub. He hears the, he hears the, the dreams and, and he knows things are happening. He's just walking around. Doo, doo, doo. Right? I mean, this is how you envision it. He's like, just pouring drinks. And he hears the story and he's like, man, I really wish I knew somebody who interprets dreams. Pouring drinks. Walking around. I'm like, where, where are you? What are you doing? You're like one of my kids. Like, you're just, how can you be that oblivious? <laughs> Read the room, butler. <laughs> and suddenly, I don't know what triggers it, but suddenly he's like, oh, wait, I know a guy. I know a guy that can interpret dreams. So he goes to the Pharaoh. He has access to the Pharaoh. He could have said anything for two years. And he finally goes to the Pharaoh and says, I know a guy, and, and hear me out, he's a prisoner. But we had, my, my, myself and the baker, I mean, not to remind you of, bring up a, you know, bad story, but, you know, we were in prison, remember that? You threw, it was all a misunderstanding. We were in prison, and we had a dream, and we told this guy, and he interpreted mine and said I'd be restored, and here I am, and the, he interpreted the baker's, and the, baker, the baker's not here. It worked out for me. <laughs> he says, but this guy can help you. And so Pharaoh sends down his guys and they go down into the prison and they pull Joseph out. Like, I mean, they get him cleaned up and shaved and new clothes and they pull him out and, and they bring him before Pharaoh. I mean, in a matter, I don't know how long it took, uh, a matter of just an hour or two, maybe not long. And he finds himself from the prisoner to the palace. And he's standing there before Pharaoh. And I love the first thing he says to Pharaoh in verse 16 of, of chapter 41. And Joseph answered Pharaoh. He says, I've heard about you. I know you can interpret dreams. Here's this stuff going on. And Joseph said, it is not in me, God. It is not in me, God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. And I love this. See, remember, God first for Joseph. So the first thing he says to the Pharaoh, who everyone around him considers a God, the first thing he says is, it's not about me, it's about the one true God, Pharaoh. He's not afraid to tell the Pharaoh the truth. He's not afraid to give the right account. He's not afraid to boldly represent his God, even in front of a guy that could have his head taken off just like that. No, see, even in a situation where he could have backed down, he was bold because Joseph's motto 
God first. Honor God. So he interprets the dream and tells Pharaoh that seven good years are going to be followed by seven bad years of famine. And and he says in verse 25 of our chapter, Joseph said unto Pharaoh, uh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. God has showed Pharaoh what he is about to do. This is going to happen. See, what God says, you can't ignore it, you can't avoid it, you can't resist it. When God's word speaks, you might as well jump on the train because it's moving no matter what. God's word is sure, and that's what we talked about last week, is that you might as well submit to the sovereign, to what he has spoken, because what he has spoken always comes to pass. He emphasizes it again down in verse 28. This is a thing which I have spoken unto Pharaoh. What God is about to do, he showeth unto Pharaoh. These dreams were from God, and God is about to do something. So he says, here's an idea. He says, Pharaoh, famine is coming, and you better prepare. And I would recommend putting one guy in charge of all of this project to take 20%, one-fifth of the food supplies, so that, and store those up in the next seven years so that the nations will be coming here to get food from you. Pharaoh obviously loves the idea, and through this he says, there's nobody else with the kind of spirit like you have. You're the guy for the job. Once again, though, we see that Joseph honors God and that while he stood before Pharaoh, it wasn't about Joseph, it was about his God. What was Joseph's motto? God first for me. God first. It's not about me. It's not about my wisdom. I want the spirit of God to be lifted up. I want you to look at me and see the spirit of God. And you know what? That's what convinces Pharaoh and his men to say, this is the guy. Because he has a spirit like nobody else we've seen. This is a spirit that we don't find every day. And this spirit of God is something that draws them and and points them uh, to his God. And here's where we start to see the main idea come about here in that when it's God first for you, God blesses you. When it's God first for you, God blesses you. That's the way he works. And we're about to see it happen for Joseph because Pharaoh was still king, but Joseph was put over all the affairs. Pharaoh was the president, but Joseph is the CEO. And remember where this man came from. He's been in a pit. He's been a slave. He's been in prison. He's been forgotten. He's been accused of assault. He's in now. He stands in the palace. Listen, when you've been in a pit, you're thankful to be anywhere. I read just this week on Thursday, there was a farmer over in Iowa. I don't know if you heard about this. He was over in Iowa. I don't know how it happened, but, you know, those grain bins can be pretty dangerous. And he fell in. It's just Thursday afternoon. He falls into the grain bin, and, and he's able to keep his head up and just wait. Because he knows if he moves, he'll probably sink, and, and he just waits. So Thursday afternoon, all afternoon he waits. The, the sun goes down. Thursday night, he's still waiting. All through the night, Thursday, now it's early Friday morning, he's still waiting. About Friday morning at 11 o'clock, they had noticed he was missing, and, and they went, and they searched his property and found him. And he had been there for, I don't know, 18 hours? Just floating, just trying to keep himself up. And they rescued him. I mean, that doesn't typically happen. 
But you know what I can tell you? Is that whatever that guy is doing today, he's thankful to be anywhere. He's thankful to be breathing in and out. He's thankful to see his family. He's thankful to see his friends and his neighbors. And he's thankful to hold his grandbabies. He's thankful to be anywhere. See, when you've been in a pit, you're thankful to be anywhere. Well, here's Joseph, and he's not just anywhere. Joseph is standing in the palace in front of the, one of the most powerful men who's ever lived on planet Earth. Here's the, from the pit to the palace, stands before Pharaoh. And you know what I have to say about this whole part of the story? I have to say two words, only God. Only God. Only God can take a slave from a pit and put him in a palace. Only God can help a young man with major family issues and help him overcome that and be this well adjusted. Only God can put a Hebrew boy second in command in all of Egypt. Only God can do these kind of works. Only God, praise God for the great things that he has done. Listen, only God can take a sinner like you and I out of a pit of sin and save our souls. Listen, only God can give somebody like me, and I know who I am, and I know the wickedness of my own heart, and I know the sinner that I am. Only God can save somebody like me. Only God can give somebody like me an eternal home in heaven. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Only God would care to give us, people like us, a gift like that. Only God would give you eternity like that. Only God would give you the opportunity to walk with him and talk with him and have him carry your burdens while you're on this planet earth. Only God. Listen, I've seen people overcome drug addictions. Only God. I've seen people with a marriage that was totally broken be restored. Only God. And you've seen those things too. And some of you are evidences of only God in your life right now. I mean, you, people, if we saw your past, we would say, only God. If we knew where you came from, only God. I'm thinking about some of those that have been saved even recently. I mean, Jay's back here and Carl's back here. And I would have to say, Jay, right, only God, right? For you to be sitting where you are, Carl, only God. For you to be sitting where you are, and he's getting baptized next week. Only God. Only God. I mean, only God can do this kind of stuff in our lives. Only God can do these kind of works. Only God can take a prisoner and put him second in command. What we see in Joseph's life is an only God kind of moment. He's given new clothes after wearing prison garb just a few hours before. Now he's wearing king's garments. He's given a ring. And that ring is authority. He's given a gold chain. I mean, I think about, I mean, just what it, how ornate it must have been. He's given the second chariot. The second chariot. I mean, you know that was a nice chariot. Leather seats. Surround sound. I mean, navigation. Nice wheels. Fast. I mean, the second chariot. I think it's cool. He gets the second chariot. And while they're, while they're riding around, by the way, they say, okay, when he comes along, bow. Remember those dreams he had? 
when it was just him and those sheaves around him and they were bowing and his brothers got mad because they're like, you're the youngest, we're not going to bow to you. Well now, and then he has a dream about stars bowing to him. Well, it's literally happening now. Because when God speaks, when the sovereign speaks, it's going to happen. You might as well submit because here comes the train. Jump, jump on or get out of the way. It's coming. And here's Joseph watching the fulfillment of, of years of dreams and years probably of doubt. Thinking, man, was I wrong about the dreams? Was I wrong about all this? Was, was I mistaken? Was it not from God? And he's given a name and I'm not going to say it again, but... It means to be a finder of mysteries or secrets. Because Joseph was a guy that had insight. He's given an Egyptian wife and, and tradition says that she became a follower of God. And we don't know for sure. But, but then the first half of the interpretation comes true down in verses 46 through 49. And there's seven years of plenty. And listen, there's so much plenty. There's so much grain. There's so much stored up that they can't even count it. Without number. Joseph has treated his responsibilities uh, in these seven years just like he approached his job at Potiphar's house. And just like he dealt with his responsibilities in prison. He did right. He didn't waste time. Uh, he was diligent. He was wise. He was responsible. And I just think about the phrase, treat the small things like they're big things. And someday you'll treat the big things like they're small things. I mean, here's Joseph, and you know what he's doing? He's just making prison cell checks. He's just doing those on time. And he's taking care of the guys that are under his care. And he's, and he's diligent about his business in the small things. And because he's proven himself in the small things, God gives him a really big opportunity. And listen, you say, you wonder why, why you haven't got that promotion or you haven't gotten that raise. Well, I'm just wondering, um, do you show up to work on time? You know, treat the small things like they're big things. And someday you'll treat the big things like they're small things. Honor God in the small things. And he'll bless you with bigger things. And then we see a significant moment then in Joseph's life. All this has happened. We haven't seen the seven years of famine yet. But he knows they're coming and they're ready. But I want to just notice a couple of names here. Verse 50, it says, And unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came. In Joseph, verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. In verse 52, in the name of the second called he Ephraim. Manasseh, it says in verse 51, means, For God said he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. And Ephraim means, For God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. And this is so important. What, J what Joseph names his sons tells the story. See, in Joseph's mind, he knows he has a past. And his past is not easy. I'm, I mean, it's been 13 years of torture. It's been 13 years of suffering. 13 years without his family. But Manasseh, God, has helped me forget. See, like a, it's kind of, I think about a mother holding their, uh, uh, her child just moments or seconds after giving birth. And you know, it's amazing how quickly a mother forgets. You know, you're holding that baby, and when you we get to enjoy the fruits of that labor, it's almost like, you know, God, I mean, he doesn't make you completely forget. But it's almost like he puts a layer over it. 
and he gives you some grace so you can hold that baby and want another one. That's the way God works. See, that's what, that's what Joseph is saying. He says, Manasseh, God has helped me forget my past. And, and see, Joseph's past was a mess. It was horrible. I mean, his story was heartbreaking. But God is Manasseh, he says. God helps me forget. And listen today, you may have a past that's worthy of being forgotten and you just wish that you could wipe the slate clean. When you look at your past, all you see is your failures, shame for your mistakes. All you feel is the hurt, maybe from somebody else that did something to you, or maybe because of your own decisions. Maybe you were rejected. Maybe you were forgotten, just like Joseph. And you've come to this point where you can't stop dwelling on your past, and you just wish there was a way to forget it all. But wait. Only God... You see, if he can take Joseph, here's what I want you to get. If you're dealing with a troubled past, if he can take Joseph from a pit to a palace, he can help you overcome your past. In his grace and his goodness and his long suffering, he doesn't force us to be defined by our pasts. Aren't you thankful for that? God can Manasseh your past. He can make you forget. And then, he, and then he can Ephraim your future. He can make it fruitful. See, if God can help Joseph, there's no reason to think he can't do the same thing for you. Ephraim means in spite of how hard it's been, look at all I'm getting to enjoy. God's made me fruitful in spite of my past. Joseph is pinching himself and he's trying to figure out how it worked out this good. And I, and I think it's clear by the names. You know what he's thinking? Only God. See, only God can help you forget your past and embrace your future. And listen, when it seems like nobody cares about you, God has a future already laid out for you. And when it seems that nobody could forgive you, God has already done the work on the cross of Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. And you may be thinking, I would love to have my, my slate wiped clean. Well, Jesus Christ wants to do it for you. And when it seems like the whole world has forsaken you, God cannot and will not forsake his own. And God can help you forget your past and he can help you embrace a wonderful future. And when you find out what God has in store for the child of God who puts him first, then suddenly your past seems a lot less overwhelming and you start to focus on all that God has for me in the future. Listen, if you're a child of God, your future is bright. I mean, we'll start with heaven, but you don't have to wait till heaven to have a bright future. As a matter of fact, you can enjoy a little heaven on earth every day when you walk and talk with Jesus Christ. Amen. You can have a relationship with him. And I'm telling you, he wants your life to be fruitful. He wants you to bear the fruits of the spirit. He wants you to represent him to the lost like Joseph did. He wants you to have a, a, a life where the spirit of God is just emanating from you. He wants you to make a difference. He wants you to preserve nations. He wants you to do something great for him. And I'm not saying that like it's health and wealth. I'm saying because there can be times along the way where you feel like nobody cares. But I, I believe this, that God has a great future for every child of his. But you know what some of us are going to have to do? We're going to have to stop looking back. 
And we're going to have to start looking forward. You see, sometimes, Joseph here, come help me with this. He just turned 15, right? 15 yesterday. So I just want you to lead. Let's come over here. And I just want you to walk over toward Miss Jessica without bumping into her, okay? So here's, here's the way that some of us try to follow. God has our future, and our future's bright. But here's how some of us follow. Just start walking that way. We're looking back. And you know, if our, so just right there, if our hand's on a plow, guess what the plow's doing? But you know what we need to do? Come back over, Joseph. I don't mean to... Didn't mean to interrupt your nap here. <laughs> he wasn't sleeping. He was, you know what we need to do? When you have God first, that means both hands. And it's a lot harder to turn around when you got both hands. So then he's now he's doing this. And I may be tempted, but it's not harder. And guess what? I'm just following along. And after a while, I'm looking over his shoulder and saying, that future's mine? Man, that's really, that's a lot better than that. Man, why would I be focused on the the past when the past is dirty and the past is gross and the past is embarrassing and shameful and sinful and full of terrible things you know what I need to do I need to get both hands on the plow and I just need to follow Jesus Christ stop looking at all the things that have gone wrong and consider he has a fruitful future for me and it's time for thank you it's time for some of us even right here in this room to forget the past and focus on a fruitful future he, he has something in store for you. Now, does that mean it's always going to be easy? Well, let me answer that. Was it easy for Joseph always? No. But in those moments when he could have been turned around and looking at his past, he kept his eyes on the future. You know what he was thinking about? Those promises God made him. The, the, the prophecy that someday he's going to do something great. So listen, why would I get focused on a past that's no good when I have a future that's all good? And for some in this room right now, it's time to say God first for me. I'm done looking back. I'm done focusing on the difficulties. Because if you will get your eyes on, on him, God first, you know what? When we put God first, that's when he blesses us the most. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added. He said in Matthew 23, he that humbled himself shall be exalted. You know what? It's time for some of us to put God first. And focus not on our past, but on our future. So at your job, put God first and see what he does. In your marriage, put God first. Put God right in the middle of it and see what he does. And some, listen, in a wedding, in a marriage... It's really hard to overcome the past sometimes. Depending on the severity of the mistakes made, it can be pretty easy to be walking this way but looking that way. You know what? If you want your marriage to be blessed by God, God first in your marriage, put both hands on the back of Jesus and just keep looking ahead at what could be, not what's already been messed up. God first in your daily life. You know what? I think it's a good practice to start your day with Jesus Christ. God first in church. What would, what would God, if God was first in your life when it comes to church attendance, would you be here on Wednesdays too? It's a good question. 
God first in our families. And you know what's, what's the result of God first? Well, his blessings. Big opportunities. Influence. Difference making choices. So today I'm just asking who's first? Who's first in your life? I mean, who, who makes your decisions for you? Who decides if you come to church? Who decides if you give? Who decides if you give out a track? Who decides if you get up first and read your Bible? Who decides if as a family you, you go to church every time the doors are open? Who decides those things? Is it your job or your schedule? Because if God is first, it starts to change the way we live our lives. So is God first for you? But second, have you been focused, so focused on your past that you're not, that you've lost sight of the future? Is there something in your past maybe you just really can't get over and it's really, it's a struggle. Well, you know what, it's time to stop looking back. Like, like Joseph said, he said, Manasseh. God's made me forget the toil. God has helped me forget my family. Ephraim, God has a fruitful future ahead. And if I focus on the past, I'm going to miss out on the future. Maybe there's somebody in here in your past, it's overwhelming, it's a burden. Well, you know, God wants you to overcome it. He can help you forget it if you help Joseph. But you maybe need to start focusing on what God could do in your life in the future instead of what you've already messed up in your past. You know, God is a lot more concerned about your future than he is your past. He actually did something to take care of your past on the cross. And all that sin that's a burden for you and all that sin that hurts and all that sin that's overwhelming to you, Jesus Christ died for it. He died in your place and he took upon him all of those things that we've done so that we could be forgiven and you know what? So that we can move forward. And like Paul, I'm, not, I'm forgetting those things which are behind and it's time to press toward the mark. So for some, you need to answer the question, what's first in my life? Is it God or something else? But for others, you need to say, am I focusing more on a past or am I focusing on the future? Because God has a bright future for me. For some of you in here, maybe today's the day for you to say, I've never got my past taken care of. And I've never been saved. I've never received Jesus Christ as my Savior. I came in here today not knowing where I'd spend eternity. And you're talking about only God. And I want an only God moment today. I want God to have glory in my life. I want to spend eternity with him. Well, listen, today's the day. And you don't have to wait on somebody else. Today's the day. If the Spirit is prompting you right now, you can submit yourself to the Spirit's prompting. And you can be saved this morning. We can have men right down here and ladies right down here that show you from God's word how you can know you can have that only God moment and spend eternity in heaven with God forever. So the three applications, again this morning, is God first for you? What makes your decisions? But second, are you more focused on your past and it's time to start focusing on your future? But third, if, you've, if your past, if it's all past, it's all bad, and there's nothing bright in your future, you may need to come to terms with the fact that your soul right now, if you were to die, you'd spend eternity separated from God. And today is the day to receive him as your savior. He's done all the work already. 
and he'll forgive you of your sin. Today is the day. I'm telling you, there's a lot to apply from this text. And I know that there's something in it for all of us. The choice is yours today. Are you going to dwell on the past? Are you going to put God first? And are you going to receive him as your savior? One of those three certainly probably applies to most of us here. Let's stand together. Every head bowed. Every eye closed this morning. Let's deal with, let's deal with the truth of the text. I know it's a lot. I know there was a lot here. But I'm telling you, uh, there's a lot in Joseph's life that applies to us. And what I want is for God to take some of you right now that are focused on your past and reveal to you the brightness of the future. He has great things in store for us. He doesn't say it's going to be easy, but he does say it's bright. And that he, gave, he came to give us life abundantly. That's a bright future. He wants to forgive your sin. He wants to help you overcome your past. He wants you to just put him first. And if you, you will put God first, I'm telling you this, there's a promise in scripture when we put him first, that's when he blesses us most. Will you submit to that this morning? Father, thank you for the work you're doing in our lives. I thank you for this story and pray that you'd help us to submit to it. We love you and pray that you do real work in people's lives even right now. Great things you have done. And hopefully great things you'll continue to do even now. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.